0: contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey, welcome back boys and girls to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. There's a lot going on, you know, in my life as an agent, in my life with a team executive, and now my life as a media analyst, academician, professor, all those things. The busy time of year in speaking, talking, working on the business side of football is now. Uh, it end, It starts when the games end. It's so different than coaches and scouts and players where you're really focused on the business side when things are not going on on the field. And that's what's really happening now. So many things catching my attention. So we're going to do a Brant's Rants edition on the business of sports this week. This is Combine Week combine is kind of the official start of the business of football season. So different than the true official start, which is like March 14th. But everyone knows it really begins at the combine on February 28th. So that's when it begins this year. I'll talk about the combine, kind of take you behind the curtain inside what really happens there. But first, I got to comment on some news and notes on what's going on around the NFL, things that I'm called about to do radio shows this week. And I thought I'd just sort of put it all for my listeners here on The Business of Sports. First of all, this feud that was simmered was on simmer for so long it seemed is back again. Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones, news comes out this week that the league is going after millions, reports of millions of dollars from Jerry Jones for, and one report, conduct detrimental for his questioning, thumbing his nose at Goodell's authority, trying to change his contract, if not stop his contract extension. But later reports from NFL media more about reimbursement for legal fees that were expended during that tiff that happened during the season, all relating to Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Goodell's authority, the punishments, etc., etc. Here's my reactions to that. Number one, Goodell must have signed his contract because Roger has the power. He has the juice. It must be signed, sealed, and delivered at contract lasting through 2024. Seven years from now, it's signed. That's my first reaction. Second reaction, don't think this is all about Roger. I can't understand how everyone continues to point to Roger Goodell when it comes to discipline. This is about the membership. This is about other owners. So, When it comes to Roger Goodell slash NFL fighting with an owner, you better believe there are a lot more owners lined up behind him saying, go get him, Roger. Get a boy, Roger. Get him. Because nothing upsets ownership more when they see someone step out of line in a way that they think they're being disadvantaged. And if you remember the brouhaha with Jerry Jones, It was Arthur Blank, it was John Mayer, and others kind of, you know, you could tell by their reaction, like, we're just trying to get him in line here, because we agreed on this to Goodell, remember, months ago, and then Jones changed his mind after the Elliott decision. So, you best believe this is not all about Roger. This is about the other owners behind him. Third reaction to this, who the hell are these lawyers? Millions of dollars in legal fees, that ha! as I told it, that skirmish between Jones and Goodell and the other owners didn't seem to last long, maybe a few weeks. And we're talking millions of legal fees spent by the league in addition to their own attorneys on this. It just seems like, what are they charging? $100,000 an hour? I and mean, what is going on? So that's my reaction to the legal fees. Uh, There'll be a hearing next week. Jerry Jones will have his day in court with Roger Goodell or his designee, more likely some designated. Just like player hearings, it all goes through the commissioner when it comes to discipline, and that power is exerted once again. So when we talk about commissioner power, we're not just talking about the players. We are talking about the owners. He has slapped down Robert Kraft, Tom Benson, and now, of course, Jerry Jones, not once, but it looks like twice, getting back some money. And... As I keep saying, the other owners are certainly behind him on this. We'll see where that goes. Other bit of news. Let's see. A guy named Blake Bortles got a contract extension. This was, I believe, the other night. And media reaction was like, wow, $54 million or whatever it was over three years. And of course, you always have to look closer to these deals, which I'll talk about more later in this podcast. And you sort of see, well, it's $26.5 million guaranteed. Well, he was supposed to make nineteen this year. They already exercised the option. Nineteen was locked in. So look a little closer at this deal. It's a deal for seven and a half million dollars. Seven and a half million dollars is really what this deal is. Not fifty-four million. Because he was already gonna make nineteen. The guarantee, which is the only thing that matters, is twenty-six point five, so it's seven and a half million. In other words, Blake Bortles, to me, is betting with this deal that he can't get $7.5 million next year. Are you kidding me? I look at this deal, and I'm thinking, where's the rest of it? This is a win-win for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've got a $7.5 million risk on their most important player, most important position, and it's an offset guarantee. So if they get out of it next year, they get out of it. He's going to sign somewhere for close to seven and a half or six and a half million dollars. That's not going to be an issue. This is a no brainer. And I worry about deals like this because if Bortles plays well, this is a problem. He is, it's a lopsided deal. In fact, here's the question I ask about the Blake Bortles contract. Why in God's green earth did Blake Bortles do this deal? Because if he didn't, he plays for $19 million and he's a free agent and he gets at least, I don't know, $15 million at the minimum guaranteed next year instead of this ridiculous seven and a half guarantee that they can get out of. I don't get the deal from the Bortles side. I think people were even commenting this was a great deal for Bortles. It's a horrible deal for Bortles. Horrible. <laughs> it's, it's a deal saying, I don't think I can make seven and a half million next year. Uh, I think they're going to cut me, and I want to get a little security. So I don't understand it. Uh, That's my reaction to the Bortles deal. Next thing, Pizza Hut, Papa John's. The news comes this week that Papa John's is bowing out of their sponsorship, their association, their partnership with the NFL. Well, no surprise here because you remember during the social protests, players kneeling for the anthem. That got the ire of Papa John's CEO, Schlattner, and of course, it just sort of came out that a guy we just talked about, Jared Jones, has a bunch of Papa John's franchises. He and the Schlattner are close. Jones is criticizing the protests. After kneeling with them for that one week, he firmly shifted to the other side, wanted to get back to football, stick to sports, all that stuff. So you had politics involved in this. And then you saw Papa John's make their noise and talk about reduced earnings based on the kneeling and all that BS. Anyway, they're out. Guess who's in? Pizza Hut right away. And according to Sports Business Journal, they're not only in, but they're in for more years than Papa John's and a higher price per annum of Papa John's. Win-win for the NFL. I can't comment on the pizza. I'm not a big pizza eater. But they get a they replace a disgruntled partner with a partner only too happy to jump in for a bigger bigger number. I mean, that's gold. And that comes on the heels of a f- couple weeks ago. You remember this thing called Thursday Night Football that people were saying might even go away? Well, Fox comes in after CBS, NBC had it for a year at $450 million. Fox comes in for five years, I don't know, maybe six years, for 600 plus million a year. So N- NFL replaces two partners with one for more years and more money. Ditto with the pizza deal. Replaces one partner with another for more years and more money. This is a win-win. The NFL, despite declining ratings, continues to have these salad days. The metrics are pointing north. They are printing money. And tough news for the NFL in-decline crowd. Here's what I think is the case unless we see something spike negatively beyond expectations. I am not seeing any correlation any correlation between declining NFL ratings, and maybe it was down 9%, 10% last year, and revenue. Uh, I mean, maybe if, if ratings were even or going up, they'd make even better deals, but it's hard to believe that. The NFL has such leverage in the marketplace because whatever you want to say about the ratings, they're the best show in town on television. There's nothing close. I mean, the Pro Bowl, which is a glorified scrimmage, ridiculous game, outrates the NBA All-Star Game where you have LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Carmelo Anthony, the name, James Harden, Russ Westbrook, the list goes on and on, doing their best dunks and showboating. It out, It's outrated by this NFL Pro Bowl. I mean, NFL ratings on a Sunday afternoon beat the World Series. and an average Sunday afternoon, they beat the NBA Finals. The power of the NFL... Even if NBA ratings keep going up and NFL keeps going down, they're not going to get close. They're not close. So, again, I look at this Pizza Hut, Papa John's deal. I look at Fox replacing CBS NBC on Thursday Night Football. And I come back to my constant point we are in a salad days of the NFL despite ratings problems, despite social protests, despite Ezekiel Elliott, Ray Rice, Tom Brady deflated footballs, despite concussions. Despite the violence, I don't have the reason. I just think that, you know, I lived in Europe, you know, about age five. It seems like these kids are mainlined with soccer. It seems like here with with American football. It's just amazing. Anyway, that's the rating story. Uh, the other story is the cuts. We are in what I call deletion season. As I sit here today, I looked at the internet and saw. Uh, the Bears released Mike Glennon. What a disaster that was! A placeholder contract. I don't know if they expected to draft a first-round quarterback, but what a mistake it was to sign Glennon, having drafted a player number two, sixteen million for one year. Remember, the reports were forty-five for three. Good luck with that. Uh, just shows you how ridiculous these reports on contracts. Another Muhammad Wilkerson, Jets report of like eighty million-dollar contract. He made thirty-five and over jonathan stewart cut today chris ivory cut with 20 million left on his contract and these amounts left on these contracts are illusory i mean there are teams shedding tens of millions of dollars of future contract value that in the nba or major league baseball they'd have to buy out or pay in the nfl they just get rid of them now i can save that for another podcast on why nfl contracts are not guaranteed but the problem is when people come at me with, well, you know, NFL has more players, they play less games, there's more injuries, blah, blah, blah. Here's the other thing. More revenues, more ratings, more power. <laughs> these players are at the kids' table when it comes to their contracts. It's a problem. So I'm keeping a running tab of all these players cut before free agency starts, and it's well over $200 million of future contract value just flushed down the toilet. Teams have no liability. They just get out of it. And here's the thing I hope for when the deals start happening in March, March fourteenth, please report the real numbers. Don't report Mohammed Wilkerson with eighty five million and Mike Glennon with forty five million and Chris Ivory with thirty five million. It's not true. So I think it's a game. I mean I think for two reasons most media reports the big numbers. Number one to get the headlines. Their editors want that. Number two to please the agents giving them the contract. Agents want the big number out there for their recruiting, for their badge of honor, for their breastplate. And it's a game. And it's a sham they're running on not only fans, but other media. And really, they're running it on players, too. Because players aren't sophisticated in studying these deals. And they think even the ones making it probably don't even realize. It's It's just a joke what these contracts are. I don't know what the number is. Maybe 80% of these deals never reach the end. It's really unlikely that they reach the end. So now we're at combine. couple things about the combine. First of all, it is a test of endurance more than anything else. These players get there. They're there for three days. The last of the three days are the actual workouts, what everyone talks about, what they're training about for all these months before. But you go through this, this conveyor belt, I call it, of uh, – medicals where you are asked the same questions by 32 doctors, you're poked and prodded and pulled in the same places by these trainers. And it just becomes a, a grind. Then you have the interviews with the teams. You have to sort of ask yourself if you're a player, have I told this story to this team? Cause you're asked the same question. Speaking of that, when I was allowed in these meetings, I kind of looked at it and said, all right, I'm going to get at this kid in a way that our coaches and scouts don't. And this is why I was kicked out later because I asked questions really trying to probe, get past the script, get past the rehearsed answers. Uh, such as, here's one I talked about right about. Uh, I would ask a kid, what do you do when you get up? Uh, go to class? What do you do before you go to class? Brush my teeth? What do you do before you brush your teeth? Uh, wash my face? What do you do before you wash your face? And by this time the kids are looking at me funny, the coaches are looking at me funny. But here was my point. I was trying to find that kid who I found the two most important predictors of success are self-motivation and self-discipline. So, I wanted the kid who, was, who would say, you know, as soon as I roll out of bed, I do 100 push-ups or 50 sit-ups. Or the kid that would say I'd kind of, you know, put on my little flashlight and do some studying not to wake up my roommate. Or the kid that would say, uh, I organize my day. I go through to-do lists. And I get all that set up before I even get out of bed. So that sh- that would show me self-motivation, self-discipline, self-care. Uh, and those I thought those were good predictors. We did find a couple players through that that I thought – Uh, really showed out with those kind of answers and had good careers. One is a guy named Aaron Campman that played for the Packers, fifth-round pick out of Iowa. An immediate high character brought character to the entire D-line group as soon as he got there. So those are the kind of things that come out. The other part about the combine, in my 10 years there, I never really saw the workouts. I really was all about the business. You know, I was at the hotel. I'd set up my little corner. Uh, and then I'd look over the other corners of the hotel lobby. There were the Broncos, there were the chargers, there were the lions, people are doing their business and you'd meet with agents about your players. You'd meet with agents about wanting extensions, about wanting cap renegotiations, about wanting all kinds of things. Um, you know, the tough things where you'd meet with agents that had disgruntled players about their contracts. And I'm like, okay. You've got to do it. It's part of your job. You listen, you hear them out. In most cases, you don't want to do anything with their contract. They'll threaten, maybe sit out mini camps, maybe sit out workouts, maybe sit out training camp. You kind of roll your eyes when you're in the business for a while. You realize, A, they probably won't do that. And even if they do, they're never going to miss a season game because the money's too allocated towards that time of year. So that's part of the combo. In terms of tampering, yeah, of course, these, these contracts are negotiated there. We know that. And the cover that everyone has is that these agents represent players uh, throughout the the league, and they're probably representing a player on your team. So you can, uh, if you're ever asked about meeting with ex-agent, well, the ex-agent has this player on your team. Okay. Or you can even ask a question in the phrase of, I see you got so-and-so on your free agent list. What are you going to be looking for for him? And you ask in a way, not necessarily for your team, but generally, generically, and that tells you about the combine. In terms of what the combine people come out come out of it with, you, you know, you'll have these super freaks now and then. Like in my day, a Mario Williams that just moved incredibly for that size or a tight end Vernon Davis. But the most part, they don't move much on the board at all because this is just one part of the process. We've been putting a board together for six weeks. And when you get to the combine, it's pretty much set. Now, you may move a player half around here, half around there, but it's not a lot. So the combine, in some eyes, I think is really overrated. Uh, you have the coaches and GMs speak. To me, they never say anything. That's just wasted breath. Uh, and then you have these workouts, and we'll see what happens. For top players, I think there's no upside to throwing if you're a quarterback or even running. Uh, if you do it at all, you do it at your pro day, and I would never hold a play- it against a player. I think only the Neanderthal GMs would do that. You know, We're in this day and age where everyone wants – to show their best, and if the combine's not the right at to the right uh, atmosphere, that's fine. So we'll have the combine this week, and then we'll hit into free agency. But I'll keep you abreast every step of the way, um, and uh, and we'll go from there. Uh, that is the business of sports podcast on combine week, all about the NFL and all these stories catching my attention. You got it there, Brant's rants. Hope you enjoyed it. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Like this podcast, if you will, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, RossTucker.com, wherever you hear your podcast. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.